Good morning, church family. It is good for us to be here together. I always enjoy getting to worship with you, and I'm glad that we can uh, be here together this morning. Hope that you have had a great week, and I hope that your week is off to a great start so far. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 will be here uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are in the middle of, not really the middle, I guess still the beginning of a series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And let me remind you about a couple of things. If you've been here or if you have not been here, uh, we here at Jefferson Avenue are interested in loving God, loving others, being and making disciples. We want to follow Jesus. We believe that he is the way because that's the way he describes himself. And we know that Christians were first called the way. Even before they were called Christians, uh, the group of people who would follow Jesus would be called those who belong to the way. There is a right way. There is a way that Jesus says, here is how I want you to live. And in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus, in one of his very first sermons, one of the very first sermons we have recorded, uh, he goes up on a, a mountain and at the end of chapter four it says his disciples came to him his disciples came to him because they wanted to learn what do you want us to do Jesus and so as we've been going through this uh, sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount we're trying to approach it with the same mindset Jesus what do you want us to know about what do you want us to do how do you want us to live our life and today we're going to talk about he wants us to live in a way that is a life of integrity a life of doing the right thing and saying that you're saying, doing what you say you're going to do. And if you're not going to do something, being brave enough to say you're not going to do it. And Jesus has a lot to say about that. Have you ever had a, a hard time getting a, a straight answer out of somebody? Just a simple yes or no. Maybe in, in a job where you've been working on a deal or something like that, or maybe you have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, situation where you get to tell people what to do or ask people what to do in your job. You have, uh, you're the boss or something along those lines and you're telling your employees uh, what to do and they, they won't give you a straight answer. Or maybe you're, you're closing a deal between you, your company and another company or something like that and you're trying to just get a, a straight answer or, or moms and dads, you're trying to get your kids to just say, yes, I did this or no, I didn't do this or, or kids. This, this is the one that I thought of uh, most, most frequently. Uh, have you a- ever had to ask your mom or dad, hey, mom, dad, can we blank? Can we do this? Can I have this? Can we uh, do this thing? I, I can remember as a kid that I, I wouldn't go to dad. I, I wouldn't waste my time going to dad because uh, I knew what the answer was going to be there. So I bypassed dad and, and would go to mom pretty quickly. And, and uh, most of the time for me, it was probably things that I would, I would ask. I wouldn't really ask for a whole lot of toys or things like that. But I love to have friends come over and spend the night. And we, we'd stay up all night long and play games and all kinds of stuff. I just, I love that, especially, you know, in middle school and, and elementary school. I love that sort of thing. Uh, and, and I knew that if I, if, if mom said, well, we'll see, or I'll think about it, I knew chances weren't too great uh, that we were going to, you know, she wouldn't give me just a, a yes or a no. It was, well, well, we'll see, or hey, let me think about it. And, and certainly, we need to think about things before we make decisions but that's not why she said, let me think about it. She was just, you know, hoping that I would forget about it, you know, and, and, and I've done <clears throat> the same thing to my children uh, once or twice, probably. Let me, let me think about that. Or let me talk to your mom uh, about that, hoping that, that maybe whatever it was they were asking for, they just forget about it. And, and what I found, parents, you know this, that kids don't forget about many things. Uh, it may take them a while, but orig- eventually they will uh, come back to you and say, hey, remember I asked about this three weeks ago? No, I didn't remember that you asked about that three weeks ago. I'm, I'm glad that you did. But if I ever got to my mom to say, maybe, I knew that there was a pretty good chance 
that I was going to be able to have friends over that weekend and we'd be able to have a good time and all that kind of stuff. But if it was a will see or let me think about it, uh, chances, chances weren't too great. Have you ever had a situation like that, maybe with your kids or maybe with your parents or a coworker or any number of things, a thing where you've just, you've just struggled to get a straight answer on something. Jesus talks about that in uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 33, where he talks about, uh, in verse 33 specifically, the power of a promise. Matthew 5, 33, if you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 810. Matthew 5, verse 33. Notice what he says in Matthew 5, 33. Uh, again, he's been, he's been going through, you know, you've heard it said this way, but I say to you this way, and he's again calling, he, he's looking back at a lot of those Old Testament laws or Old Testament standards, and he's saying, you know, those weren't bad things, but I'm calling you to, to something greater. Uh, in some ways, sometimes perhaps even something more, uh, more for certain. Uh, verse 33, again, Jesus says, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. So here's, here's the old standard. Jesus says, you've heard that the ancients, you've heard that our, our forefathers, you've heard that the, the, the Jews of old were told, don't make false vows. And if you make a vow to the Lord, you make sure that you pay it. And that makes sense. We can understand that. Hey, if, it, if you, if you make a promise, then, then we expect you to fulfill that promise. If you make a vow, if you make an oath, we expect you, whoever you're making that oath or that vow or that promise with, they're expecting you to do this. But it says there that the ancients were told. Turn with me to, if you will, to a couple of different passages as we think about this. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, that's on page 165 in your pew Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 through 23. I want you to, to listen to the power of a promise, the expectation that these ancients were told, hey, if you make a vow, you're expected to do it. And not only are you expected to do it, you'd better do it or there will be consequences. Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 through 23, it says there, when you make a vow to Yahweh your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For Yahweh your God will surely work required of you, and it will be a sin in you. However, if you refrain from vowing, it will not be a sin in you. Verse 23, listen to the, the simple wisdom of verse 23. It says, you shall be careful to do what goes out from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to Yahweh your God that which, that which you spoke with your mouth. He says, be careful to do what you say you will do. That's just simple wisdom, isn't it? Those are things that our, our grandparents and our parents and our, our teachers and, and anybody that cares about us will try and teach us that wisdom. Hey, if you say you're gonna do something, do it. Be careful, be mindful about doing things that you say that you're going to do. And again, what is that? That's a life of integrity. That's a life of, of doing the things that you say that you're going to do. In Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 12, it's on the screen for you. Leviticus 19, 12, uh, it says there, and you shall not swear falsely by my name so as to profane the name of God. I am Yahweh. We talked several months ago about the name of God and the importance of, of the significance of God giving us his name. Now, again, in your version of the Bible where, where it says Yahweh on the screen in Leviticus 19, 12, it may just say the Lord, and that's not wrong, but we need to understand that in some of those passages where it says Lord, he's not just saying Lord like somebody who's in charge of it. He's, he's declaring his name. He's saying, I am Yahweh. And he says, don't make a false vow by my name. Don't profane my name. I'm the Lord. I'm Yahweh. 
It's a significant thing. He has high expectation. If you're going to to dare, it seems, if you're going to dare make a promise based on your relationship with God, you'd better fulfill that promise that you're making, that oath that you're making. Notice what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter five. Ecclesiastes chapter five, that's on page 555 in your pew Bibles. Ecclesiastes five, uh, four through six. I thought this one was, uh, the wording of this one's pretty interesting. It says, when you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Those are pretty strong words, aren't they? If you make a vow to God, don't delay in paying it, for God takes no delight in fools. He goes on to say, pay what you owe. It's better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Do not allow your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. If we were gonna say that in in common vernacular today, he would say, don't let your mouth write a check that your body can't pay. Do what you say you're going to do. And if you're not going to do it, don't say you're gonna do it. Live a life of integrity. He goes on to say, and and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Well, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, that was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and wreak destruction on the works of your hands? Hear that the power of a promise. The ancients were told, don't make a false vow and any vow that you make to the Lord, make sure that you pay it. Well, here we see what the ancients were told. They were told time and time again, just three of many more times when they would say, when they would learn, when God would say or God's messenger would say, hey, if you're going to make a vow and definitely if you're gonna make a vow in the name of God, you'd better do it. There's a high expectation. And if you don't do it, it's a sinful thing to you. It's something that God will look down and and hold you accountable to. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter five to uh, describe an, an impotent pledge. Notice what he says in verses 34 through 36. But I say to you, here's this, here's this higher standard that he's calling them to. But I say to you, make no oath at all either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Uh, An impotent, a a powerless pledge. You see, he says, hey, don't make make a promise and and call on, you know, the heavens to declare, you know, you know, I'm gonna promise and I I promise this on God. I promise this on, on heaven. He says, you have no power there. You have no power in heaven. Don't make a promise by the earth. That's the footstool of Jesus. You have no power or control there. He says, don't make a promise and, and call on Jerusalem to, to, to give it some weight. He says that, that place is a place of great kings, probably in reference to, to Jesus more than anything. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. Most of us here today, I love you all, but you're not that important. Even by like the world standards, right? I don't think we got any presidents here or, you know, uh, some, from time to time we have a, a congressman and that's great, but none of us are really all that powerful. None of us really have all that much sway. So what, what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying here, hey, don't make a promise by heaven. Don't make a promise by earth. Don't make a, a promise by, by a, a city or a place or a nationality or say, look at who I am you really don't have that much power. And to drive it home, notice what he says in verse 36 again. He says, nor shall you make an oath, but even by your own head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. He says, listen, 
you're not as powerful as you think you are. You, you don't have that much sway. Now listen, you control yourself and, and you're accountable for your actions. But what God is saying here is you've heard it said, don't make false vows. Jesus says, don't make any vows at all. But let me remind you that in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, especially in this section that we've been studying, Jesus is never calling us to an easier standard. He's always calling us to a greater standard that is often more difficult. So, okay, Jesus, so if, if I shouldn't make any vows at all, what should I do? Notice what it says in verse number 37. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of the evil one. Now, different versions read slightly differently. Chad's version read slightly differently, and, and neither one of them is wrong. It's just, just the, the wording and the, the way that they decided to, to put it. But what's, what's Jesus trying to, to say here? What's the standard that he's trying to do? He says, hey, you've heard it said, if you make an oath to God, you make sure you better fulfill it. But I say don't make any oaths at all because you really aren't that powerful. You really don't have all that much influence. Don't make any oaths at all. Instead, let your yes be yes and your no no, and I've kind of already mentioned it a little bit, but it comes down as simple to this, as simple to this for, uh, for folks in here who are gray-headed, as simple as this for folks who are, who are young and for little kids. If you say you're gonna do something, do it, always. Imagine living a life where when you simply said, when someone asked you, hey, will you do this for me? And you simply said, yes. Nobody ever had a doubt that you were gonna do it. They knew, they trusted, they had supreme confidence that you would do everything that you could to do it because you simply said, yes. You didn't have to make a pinky promise. You didn't have to sign a contract. You didn't have to do anything beyond simply saying yes. And not only that, but you were brave enough, you were brave enough and bold enough that if somebody asked you to do something that you weren't interested in doing or that there was no way that you were gonna do, you were brave enough to say no. You were brave enough to simply say, no, I'm not gonna do that. And I'm not talking about sinful things necessarily, but just things in general, that, that if somebody asks you to do something and, and you know that you're not really interested in doing that and you have no real plans on doing that, you don't say, well, yeah, I'll get to it if I have time. Knowing in the back of your mind, I ain't doing that. <laughs> ain't no way. I'll find, myself, I'll find something else to do. Or, or, or just sugarcoating it or, or massaging it in some form or fashion where, where that person who asked you, they feel good about the situation and they walk away and they say, yeah, that, that guy's gonna do it for me. Yeah, she's gonna do it for me. In reality, you have no plans at all to do it for them. That's not a life of integrity. A life of integrity is if, you're go, if you say you're gonna do something, you do everything within your power to do it. Now, sometimes will you be prevented for things outside of your power? Maybe. But if you say you're gonna do it, you do everything that you can to do it. And if you're not interested in doing it, you're brave enough to say, no, I'm not gonna do that. And will there be consequences for that? Will there be stresses in a relationship for that? Absolutely. But it would, be, would it be better for you to lie and say you are going to do something that you have no intention of doing and suffer the consequences of that? Or be brave enough and have enough integrity to say, I'm not, 
going to do that. And, and maybe sometimes even say, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to. Because I have a choice. Because I can choose to do the things that I do or that I don't do. Or maybe you have better reasons than that. But, but even if that's just your reason, is that something that you are willing to do? You see, in the Old Testament, we're warned time and time again. If you make a promise, if you make an oath, if you make a vow, you better fulfill it. Because if you don't, it's sinful. But in the New Testament, Jesus says, listen, anything beyond yes or no is evil. And that, that phrase there, uh, again, Chad and I's versions uh, was, were slightly different. Uh, mine says, is of the evil one. Chad said, is evil. Again, both of those are right. I went back and, and, and looked at the language just, just to make sure either one of those meanings can be correct. Anything beyond yes or no is evil because it will bring toil and stress and pressure into your life. That meaning if you say yes, but you're really not going to do it, that's going to cause problems for you. If you say no about something that you really need to do, that's going to cause problems for you. So it's, it's of evil, but it's also of the evil one. Listen, this, this, this integrity stuff, it's not just a, it's not just a leadership trait. It's not just a, a good idea. Jesus says, our Lord and Savior says, let your yes mean yes. And let your no mean no. Anything beyond that is of evil. Don't you know that Satan loves getting us to say more than just yes or no? Because he knows that'll get us in trouble easier. He knows that if we make a big promise, we make a big oath, if we make a big show of a, of a big vow, then when we fail in that, it hurts our integrity. And if we people can't trust us in saying yes or no, then why would they trust us about our faith and the things that we believe in? This integrity that we are talking about this morning is a big deal. You see, God has integrity. And when God says he'll do things, we can take courage in the fact that we know that he'll do things. When God says that he'll save us from our sins, we can know that he will do that. We can have supreme confidence in that. And this same kind of integrity that we, we just take for granted, sure, God has integrity. God tells the truth. God does what he says he's going to do. That's the same standard that God has for us, that we'll have that kind of strong integrity. So take, take a minute. And as I've, hopefully you have been thinking as we've been going through this sermon, what relationships do you have in your life that you really need to live with integrity? The answer is all of them. But what, what ones specifically in your life are, are really integral into who you are, into, into the, the things that you do in your daily life, and the conversations that you have with people that you're trying to influence? You see, the, the influence of integrity is when you and I are strong enough and brave enough and bold enough to do the things we say we're going to do and to say we're not going to do the things that we're not going to do, people will notice that. Why? Because integrity is not a common trait in the world today. Integrity is not something that is something you find in the life of every person who lives today. And we need to live with integrity. We can trust that God has that and that God will do the things that he says that he will do. This morning, let me ask you two questions. Two yes or no questions. I want you to answer them. 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of God? Will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? This morning, if you've said yes to both of those questions, many of you, at some point, you've answered that question in the past. If you become a Christian, hopefully those questions have been asked of you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected son of God and will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? Uh, Those things lead to righteousness and salvation, Romans chapter 10 tells us. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrected son of God? Will you allow him to be the Lord of your life? Now here's here's where God's grace comes into it. Listen, God expects you to live a life of integrity, but he knows you'll fail. Just like everything else about life, God expects you to be perfect and he knows that you're not. And that's why Jesus came to die for us. So that his blood, as we've sang about and as we've talked about today, can wash away all of our sins and make us exactly who we need to be in the eyes of God. And again, most of you have answered that question already because you're Christians. The challenge for us today is to walk out these doors or maybe even in this room to live a life of integrity with each other, to live a life of integrity with the world. Not because they'll, be, not because they'll do the same for us, but because we live by a different standard than the world does. We live by the standard of God. But this morning, if you're not a Christian and you answered both those questions with yes, what's stopping you from becoming a Christian this morning? If you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected son of God, if you answer that question with yes, if you, if you believe that, and if you're willing to allow him to be the Lord of your life, that you'll, you'll follow after him in the way and, and, and you'll do everything that you can to, to do the things that he wants you to do and you won't do it perfectly, but you'll do it faithfully. Have you been baptized? Where you come in contact with the blood of Christ and all your sins are washed away? If not, why not? Why, why haven't you done that, that, taken that step to, to follow Jesus and to do the things that he would have you to do? This morning, if you're interested in that, we would love to help you in that in any way that we can. Brothers and sisters, if you have any needs at all, we ask you to come as we stand and sing.